2: For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at borough.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at borough.com slash acast.
1: It's Flames Nation Radio, an emergency edition. Uh, we do these, we Shane and I said we would do emergency edition of the pod when there was something worth having an emergency edition of the pod about. And I think this qualifies before we jump into the guts of the Matthew Kachuk trade to Florida. uh, We're brought to you by DoorDash and by Eau Claire Distilleries, Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. And if you're a Flames fan tonight, after seeing the news, you're probably, you know, drinking uh, uh, some kind of beverage, your beverage of choice in commemoration of the end of uh, the the, the tenure of – of Matthew Kachop with the Calgary Flames and the beginning of uh, a really interesting period of time. So I was at a barbecue. I was in the backyard of a, of a friend's house filling on my phone and drinking a, a delicious root beer uh, as people like to do on a warm summer's eve. And my phone dinged. I'm like, what's this? And the flames made a trade. So here's the trade. And then uh, the, the three of us, Shane, Mike Gould and myself, will dive into the, the guts of it. So here's the trade. Matthew Kachuk to the Florida Panthers with a conditional fourth round pick. We don't know what year. I think it's 2025, but we'll double check. And the, from the Panthers, the Flames get uh, Jonathan Huberdeau. They get Mackenzie Wegar, and they get prospect Cole Schwint, and a conditional 2025 first round pick. Now, just to go over this stuff very quickly. So uh, Kachuk uh, was signed. To an eight year $9.5 million extension uh, with Florida. So he's signed in Florida in a tax free state in a very, you know, Sunrise Florida is of all the places to ply your trade. I can think of worse places to spend time than Sunrise Florida. It's fairly nice. It's right next to the the Everglades. Uh, You get to go speed boating or whatever rich people do in Florida, but it's a tax free state. So hooray for Florida. Hooray for Matthew Kachuk getting to go to uh, the United States in one of the more favorable tax environments a human being could live in. Uh, the Flames get uh, Jonathan Huberto. So last year, uh, Edmonton Oilers uh, Center, Connor McDavid, who were contractually obligated to mention in passing every podcast. Connor McDavid finished first in the NHL in scoring. Uh, two people tied for second place at 115 points. One of them is Johnny Gaudreau, who the Flames lost an unrestricted free agency to Columbus. And the other one was Jonathan Huberdeau. And so the Flames get uh, roughly a week after losing the second leading score tied in the league, they get the other one, which is kind of interesting. Huberdeau is a, uh, he's at a $5.9 million cap hit for 22, 23, at which point he'll become an unrestricted free agent. Uh, They also got right shot, right shot defenseman, Mackenzie Wegar, who will, Probably be second slash third pairing defenseman, depending on how you want to define it. He'll play behind uh, Rasmus Anderson, who's arguably the most defensively gifted defenseman the Flames have, at least on that side. Uh, He's uh, but Weegar is also a pending UFA. He's uh, making three point two five mil against the cap. Uh, So he's a pending UFA. So the flames have two guys that they might want to, they're probably going to start talking Turkey with them for contracts fairly soon. If they haven't already knowing Brad, they're probably well underway to getting something discussed. Uh, And then uh, the, the futures in this, in this uh, move, uh, Cole Schwint uh, played a little bit of the NHL last year, but mostly was with uh, the Charlotte checkers of the AHL. I believe he had 40 points in 70 something games. You know, he's a center left shot center. He's good. Is he great? No, but he's good. He's, I would argue, a solid B prospect. Uh, coincidentally, we just started our prospect rankings, and now we all have to redo a bunch of them and figure out where Cole Schwinn fits in. I oh, do. And finally, <laughs> uh, the last piece of the puzzle, a conditional 2025 first-round pick. Uh, the condition, we're, we're still trying to get clarity on what the conditions are on that pick and the fourth-round pick. Uh, we were told that the the Florida Panthers announced that the 2025 pick is, quote, top 10 protected. We assume that means that the that the pick maybe moved to another year, but maybe that's connected. Maybe that's connected to the fourth rounder. We don't know. Well, to be honest, we're going to ask someone, but it's late everywhere, and so we no one's going to really text us back and say, "Here's the parameters of a conditional pick," and you know, it's it's the fifth most interesting thing in this trade. So we'll get into that later. But gentlemen, this is a lot of stuff. I mean, the you know we we heard. Uh, you know, over to over at uh, National Hockey Now, uh, uh Kevin Allen uh, wrote the other week, I think yesterday, the day before, that the, the Flames asking price for Matthew Kachuk was a good, like a, a premier forward, a good prospect, and a first. And if you look what the Flames got, I mean, you know, the it they seem to have hit a lot of the things. If we, if you would, if the three of us were sitting down with a whiteboard and Brad Living says, Boys, how do we fix the Calgary Flames? This is a lot of the stuff that we would have sketched out. Um, I'll, look, I'll go to Mike first because Shane and I talk all the time. Mike, what was your initial reaction? And uh, what what uh, do you like the trade? What do you not like about it? What do you like about it? Let us know.
0: My, uh, my initial reaction, uh, I don't think uh, it'll be a surprise to say that I was surprised. Um, I was very, very surprised that it came out, you know, Frank Saravalli tweeting it at what 9:30 p.m. On which Friday. seems the Flames have a have a flair for dramatic in these sorts of cases I and mean, when we saw Daryl Sutter get hired at, you know 2 hours after what they beat Ottawa 8 to 1 or something they just come out with these these crazy moves at the strangest times. Um so I've had a couple hours or I guess an hour and a half now to digest this. Uh, big thing uh, for me and I want to talk about this first. Everybody's going to say you know talk about Huberdeau first. I'm going to talk about Uyghur. Talking about Mackenzie Weger. Uh, Pike said second pairing. No, no, no. Flames have their new number one defenseman, and this is something that I think I, I should have talked about this more uh, earlier in the off season because this was something that I really strongly believed in. Was you, that you like-
1: in, in our in our internal Slack friends? You, we all know Mike Gould is a big Phoenix or Arizona Coyotes guy. Uh, as yeah. soon as anything Coyotes happens, he's the first one. But any, anyone good of the Coyotes we hear about, and so he's been on the the. Oh man, would it be cool if the Flames could get the Jacob Chikrin train? Yeah. Oh, pretty much since you know, ever since Arizona, you know, looked like they weren't going to be anything of note last season, He was on. Right about yeah. Chikrin, and he wants and out. This this feels like kind of a a runny move without the price yeah. tag.
0: I mean, he's a little bit older, and I think he's better. I think Mackenzie Uyghur is better. I mean, the the thing, you you get Shikran if you're looking to build for the future. You get Mackenzie Uyghur if you're looking to build for now. And one of my buddies texted me about an hour ago saying, it feels like we just traded for 28-year-old Mark Giordano, because that's what Mackenzie Uyghur feels like in a lot of respects to me. This guy is a beast. Uh, I don't know how many expletives we are allowed to say on this podcast, but he kicks ass. That's what I would say about Mackenzie Uyghur. He is fantastic. He is just like, he's a two-way, complete, dominating presence at five-on-five. Five. And this is a Flames defense core that is, you know, I liked a lot of the individual pieces, but I felt like guys were just slotted too high. And I feel like, you know, you can get away with having one of Noah Hannafin and Rasmus Anderson on your top pair, but I don't like having both of them there. Uh, you know, I like Chris Tanev, but, you know, the diminishing returns, I'm worried about it. Um, and now with Mackenzie Uyghur, it's just like, oh boy, that is something that for, and especially considering this is a Brad true living move. This is a guy who really loves to make these splashes where he trades for these defensemen. And this is something that, you know, maybe we should have expected that they would get a guy like Uyghur, but oh boy, both Uyghur and Huberto in the same trade. That is, uh, that is something that I didn't quite expect. I will uh, say that lightly.
1: I'll, I'll say I'll just jump in look from uh, so we've been at the site we've sort of been pondering you know what are the flames without kachuk and Gaudreau, you know cap wise goals above replacement wise those kind of things sort of in a in a micro and macro sense so uh, evolving hockey uh last year they had Matthew kachuk is one of the more valuable players in the league from a goals above replacement perspective he was uh, worth twenty three point eight goals above replacement that's a you know combination of his offensive, defensive, and penalty taking and drawing impacts. So 23.8, one of the better players in the league. So you take out, take away 23.8 goals. That is, you know, it's not insubstantial. Uh, so the, in, in this trade, the flames traded those 23.8 goals to Florida for 14.8 from Jonathan Huberdeau and 9.7 from Mackenzie Uyghur. Uh Weger has positive impact basically across the board uh he takes slightly more penalties uh and draws slightly fewer penalties than a lot of players of his ilk and that might be the only if you want to, you know, poke holes in his game and be like, you yeah, know, he's not great at everything. Yeah, I mean his penalty impacts are probably a little bit lesser than they could be, but he's good at everything else. And you know, I think uh Shane, you can jump in here in a second. Uh, oh, cool. I'm not that, in a rush. Like, here's, I got a lot here's, here's, so here's the thing that sort of perplexes me. The Flames have a lot of defensemen now. And yeah. like, in terms of like, they have, okay, like I was thinking beforehand, I'm like, okay, Nikita Zadorov and Nick Malosh could be a perfectly acceptable third pairing. And I still think in Grand Scheme of Things, you know, you, you, bear, you, know, you, do, you would have done what you do with Zadorov and what you did with Good uh, Branson last year PK defensive situations, bury him, bury him, bury him, and give your top two pairings the, the, the high ground. Uyghur, comp- like they have a lot of different things they can do. You can, you want to play? You know, you can do Hannifin and Uyghur, and that'd be a banger of a pairing. Damn and then your real. second pairing is what? <laughs> Shillington and Anderson? That could be fun. Uh, or Shillington and, with Uyghur. And, and, is it Zadoron and Anderson? Zdor- like you can basically pick. Like I, I, I don't know who the seven is going to be right now. And to be honest, it doesn't really matter. The Flames have enough NHL level defense, and then I assume. At some point, they might look at moving some guys around, um, but we'll get into that in a sec. But just the, the idea of you have three good defensemen who can play in a lot of different situations, and I think a lot of the a lot of the preseason for Gerald Sutter might be going like him and him and Ryan Husky are just giggling and pulling names out of hats and be like, okay, left side D is going to be pull a name, Canifin, and okay. Liger. Okay. How about, how about Hannafin and Tanev? We know that's good. Hannafin and Anderson. We know that's good. Like yeah. it gives you so many different looks for different I, situations. And I don't like outside of, you probably don't want to play. You probably don't want to play uh, Nikita Zadorov too high in the rotation. So he's probably by default, the third best left shot defenseman. But beyond that, I mean, you could probably play the other guys in any way you want and have it work. You could mix up the
3: ice time on any given night. Uh, I, I think the way Sutter likes to use his D is a left shot with a right shot. He's one of, he, he likes that. They now have three right shots, Anderson, Tanev, and Weger, and three left shots in Hannafin, Zadarov, and Chillington. So uh, I think any of those combinations can be mixed and matched, and you still get a quality pair. It doesn't matter which one. It doesn't matter who plays 24 minutes a night. It's You've got a quality player at every position. Someone has done it as well, no matter what who's on the ice it's it's a it rounds out and makes it one of the most solid decors from top to bottom and they're young it's they're, like they're other than of everyone's on the other side of 30 so like <laughs> yeah
0: no kidding and I want to I want to say this Brad, Brad Tree Living talks a lot about guys who don't have a lot of miles on them um that's something we, we hear a lot game. from him weger has got 300 games under his belt this is not a guy who's logged heavy miles at all uh he's you know he's He's, he's, he's a bruiser. You know, he's, he's a beast. That's the thing about Mackenzie Uyghur. Some of the people at Flames Nation might read some of my columns and uh, say that I don't like big, tough players, but when they're as effective as Mackenzie Uyghur, I mean, holy mackerel, this is a guy who's just going to punish you in so many ways. He exemplifies
1: what our friend Kent Wilson would call functional toughness, where he's tough, but he's so good. Like he's tough in the areas that you want your players to be tough. He's not tough, like, I'll look tough and I'll take 10 minutes in penalties and be in the penalty box, you know, playing with my phone for half a period. He's tough in that he just opens up space for everyone on the ice with him. To have
2: those kind of
1: defensive
3: numbers on a Florida team that prioritized goals over anything also is amazingly impressive. And the fact that when Ekblad went down, his numbers never took a hit either. Like, you lose your partner and everyone thinks he's carrying you and then you do just fine without him. That's another thing that he's proven to do. So he's, he's checked more boxes than probably a lot of people, and he's set for a decent payday. But because he doesn't have the name recognition, it might not be as big as people think. When you don't have that draft pedigree and that name recognition and the huge point totals, you get, they get you at an undervalue. So they have a year to try and get him locked up, and, and that's the thing. And if he doesn't, you can move him again
1: like, the, the, like just, you're not tied into it the the the, fle- just the pulling again from our friends at evolving hockey the so uh a piece i wrote on the, the site for friday morning was looking at sort of you know inputs like you know goals for goals against and you know you lose johnny gaudreau potentially they were going to lose for matthew gachuk for what we didn't know what uh so I would argue that Matthew Kachuk for Jonathan Uberdo is essentially a wash and you're still, you're still out the offense that Johnny Gaudreau would have provided. I mean, you're not going to get those goals back. You'll try to replace him in the aggregate. You'll try to replace him with, you know, you, you might, you know, you're going to have you know, Machi probably playing a bigger role. He'll probably get a PP one uh, usage. Maybe he's on the first line. Who knows? They have a lot of left wingers and guys can play their off wings. Uh, so they have some flexibility, but you know, you, you're not going to replace Johnny Gaudreau's offensive impacts, but Johnny Gaudreau, did not play on the defensive side of things. He was not used in defensive situations. He wasn't a penalty killer. And if you look at the guys they have, I mean, Uberdo is an adequate defensive player, but he won't be used in defensive situations. But if you look at the 6D that they have uh, on Evolving Hockey, every single one of them has positive defensive impacts. Every single one. Nikita Zadorov, the worst defenseman on the team. And we don't mean as a slight, we mean as a compliment. He's the worst guy, and he was a positive defensive impacts player. He's a negative offensive yeah. impacts player and is, he was at a negative penalty impact. But across the board, every single player on the Flames who played who played who looks like they're gonna be a regular, you know, top six player on the blue line has positive defensive impacts. Which means if the thought process is, well, you lose, you know, you're you're gonna be looking at winning some closer games without Johnny Gaudreau this is the type of player you'd want in order to play that situation and you can argue with a uh, you know a goaltender in in Jacob Markstrom that uh, was the runner up for the Vesna last year and six defensemen who can play in their own zone and play in, play in their own zone fairly well it seems like that pro- that that could be a successful strategy so i'm
3: i'm fascinated to see what they do one thing Help. the Flames lost majorly was Johnny Gaudreau's transitional ability to get the puck from one end to the other. They lost. That's 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 a massive impact that is is not talked about because it's only tracked in like the hardest of analytical places, uh, all three zones.com. But uh, Mackenzie Weger we, you'd think a forward would needed to be replaced it, but Mackenzie Uyghur is actually one of the top transitional defenseman in terms of controlled exits out of his own zone and entries into the offensive zone in the entire league so i I mean i didn't i'm not gonna lie i don't think anyone really saw this entire trade coming out of anywhere and (laughs) like it literally no way out of out of left field is a great definition for it or the Ramal tapia in the park home run tonight like no one saw that coming too so it's just unreal I, I'm, I was vibrating for a bit there. I was actually, I, I've been a diehard Flames fan since a kid. So, like, anytime there's a big trade takes me back to, like, when FNUF was traded or or any of those big oh, trades God. getting, getting uh, Huselius or as they say on the radio, Huselius. But
0: uh, when, okay, I'm going to say this. When, the, when there were reports coming out about the Flames getting those three or four players, that was the first trade that I thought of was the FNUF trade. Just um, Hagman,
3: and yeah, they didn't
0: they didn't get any 20. Nick Hagmans in this deal. No. They didn't get any Nick Hagmans. Uh, no. I'm going to say this: um, uh, uh um, you Weger, know, uh, right right-handed defense when he plays both sides. Um, so that that's some flexibility. That's something that Zadorov can do too. Um, since he's the lefty, he can shoot. You can play on the right side, so you can flip flop things around. You can maybe have a Weger Tanev pairing if you're really, really, really feeling spicy, or if you're um, up on goal with a minute left. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say this. I think Mackenzie Weger is what a lot of fans uh, really, really um, – I, I think he is uh, the ideal version of Eric Goodbranson <laughs> in some way. We were talking about
1: um, and that. Just <laughs> and he's, he's $750,000 cheaper. We, we were hear. talking about yeah, that Yeah, and I, I was, that was
0: the point I was just about to make. And Branson, you know, signed for 4 million. Weger signed for 3.2 or whatever. And, you know, I, you know I, I, I wasn't the hugest fan of Eric Branson, but uh, I can understand that type of player having value in certain situations if they have certain skills. And Mackenzie Weger has all the skills that a, I would say a top-pairing, number-one de- defenseman needs to have. And that's who I think he is. I think he is a number-one defenseman. I think he is their replacement, their heir apparent to Mark Giordano. That is how I feel about Mackenzie Weger. Um, I love Chris Tanoff. I think Chris Tanoff has done so much for this Flames team. He was a perfect bridge the gap after, you know, they lost TJ Brody and then, you know, they had to go down without Giordano for a year. And he was tremendous in the regular season on that pairing with Shillington. Um, and, you know, Chris Tanoff does so much. He doesn't, he's, he's not an offensive defenseman. He's never has been. It's never been his, it's never been his calling card. Mackenzie Weger can do that. That is something that McKenzie Weger is really skilled at too. He can move the puck up the ice like any defenseman in this league can, like maybe not like Kale McCarr, but you know, he can like a lot of the top end defenseman can. So that's, Man. that's an extremely valuable thing that I if, think the flames have gleaned out of this.
1: If the, if the impact of this trade is that Chris Tanev becomes more of a, a, a third pairing guy. Like if it's if it turns out it's just Zadorov and Tanev in the third pairing and Tanev is the first over the boards for penalty kill and things like that. And he's the him and Tanev him and Zadorov are using the bump up shift. And then, you know, you, you sort of use other guys for other things. I think that's a huge win because, you know, if the if the idea is, okay, like the the it's a four year deal for Chris Tanev seems a little bit risky at the time. And first oh, yeah. two years, holy cow, I don't like – I'll freely admit I did not expect Chris Tanev to be as good as Chris Tannehill has been. Is it reasonable wow. to expect using this – leading on in the same way that he'd be as effective for the next two years? I think he'd be playing with fire a bit, pardon the pun. And this addition gives you the ability, depending on what happens for next season, and by next season I mean 23-24, not 22-23. But, yeah, it gives you the ability to – you know, ease his minutes, use them differently, and maybe, you know, get more, get as much as, you know, if you're paying Chris Tanev four and a half million, you want to squeeze as much hockey as you can at a Chris Tanev, the highest value minutes you can at Chris Tanev. And I think this is going to be a move that really helps do that. Question for you guys. So I've seen some folks on Twitter and to be blunt, you know, some of our friends at Orders Nation joking, well, yeah, but you got two pending UFAs. And a prospect and a, and a and a and a 2025 pick, the conditional UFAs or the, the pending UFAs can be seen, I think, as a, as a something that makes you nervous or something that that excites you. I can see it both ways. Um, it's like uh, Danny Austin, friend, uh, my friend Danny Austin, Post Media posted, you know, uh, his initial thought of the trade was potentially, yeah, you, you know, it if the if the impact of this trade is that is essentially extends the Flames' contention window for a year. I mean, Brad Living has a year left in his current contract, at least right now. Who knows? I, he might get extended after pulling off this kind of thing. Uh, Daryl Sutter's contract is up after the 22-23 after the season. So, you know, if you want to go all in and sort of, you know, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead, this is the type of move you make in order to add some UFAs. But if the idea is you want to push, you know, do what you can, but still maintain some flexibility in the future, they have Milan Lucic coming up. As a UFA at the end of the 22-23 season, Sean Monahan potentially Uberdo, potentially uh, you know Mackenzie Weegar you have about twenty just shy of twenty one million dollars coming off the books. Uh, I think it's twenty point seven seven five million not between those four for players. Cap and you increases. and you can sell them.
3: So no, and, not, and not projecting for any potential cap increases if the escrow gets paid off. Like, it's not going to get paid off next year. No, no, but no. Still, they'll still, it went up a million this year, but- It'll uh,
2: go
1: up another million for eight for, year. So yes, and then, yeah, so you get, you have 20, just shy of $21 million coming off the books, and then another million dollars of a, of a cap bump, most likely. So if this works, great. If it doesn't work, I still think they did a nice job building themselves in some flexibility. I mean, as much as you don't want to say, you know, like, you know, if, if, you know, in a year- you know, Matthew Kachuk and Sam and Sam Bennett are, are fist bumping each other and doing crazy things in the playoffs and the flames are golfing, you know, it'll probably be kind of a, a, a sore thing for Flames fans just to be like, yeah, you got Cole Schwint and some cap space in twenty in a 2025 first But I can I can see the the, the the lack of long-term commitments for these guys, at least right now, is possible bit of flexibility in them.
0: Here's here's what I'm gonna say. Um I think the- the Flames absolutely need to get one of these guys locked up this summer. I would say one of them. I'm not sure which one. Uh, I understand the flexibility uh, aspect of it, um, but I think both of these guys are tradable, uh, even if you sign them. Um, and I would, I would say, you know, I Mackenzie Weaver under Daryl Sutter. Um, I'm really interested in seeing how that plays out, and that's something that I would try to get ahead of. Um, if you can sign him now um because I, I think he's i think this is the kind of player who you can bank on um potentially having a really good contract year um and you know if you wait to sign him in a year you might be paying one two two and a half million more a year than you might be doing right now um so i you know i, I understand the flexibility aspect of it. i really do um i also understand you know you got to, you got to have some continuity here. You got to, I mean, what, what, are, what are you trying to do? What are you, what are you trying to do with this team? I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't think you can afford, I don't, yeah, I don't think you can afford to go into this year again with the feeling that maybe two of your top players are one foot out the door. Um, I just, I don't I think that is, and you need to get Mangiapane signed this summer anyway. So if you're going to sign him long-term, why aren't you signing? Why aren't you, you know, why aren't you doing all you can to get the other two guys signed long-term right now?
3: And, so as, I, and I understand the flip. Well, they just got him to, right? Like they didn't, they probably weren't talking with him trades before, right? Like I What I would probably presume not. that the Kachuk thing and the...
2: com slash a cast
3: a chuck contract in place before he left was more more in line with what they wanted and now brad brad's gonna talk to him like he will they'll they'll get a sense yeah. of what's going on and i i really just doubt they'll ever let another ufa that highly walk right to free agency again. yeah it's just so risky
0: season, so now one one other thing i just want to talk about is flexibility in terms of the defense and you have the oldest guy on that defense is Chris Tanov. And I'm just going to say it in a year, I think you might trade him. And if you have Hannafin, Anderson, Weger and Shillington as your top four is Tanov redundant after a while, because you can afford all five of them um, for a year But, you know, if if you're getting down to it with one year left on 33-year-old Chris Tanev and you already have Mackenzie Wieger signed long-term and you already have Rasmus Anderson signed long-term, do you need Chris Tanev, especially considering, you know, we're talking about diminishing returns potentially in a final year? Um, And maybe you can reallocate that asset with one season left and and be proactive.
1: uh, Can can I interject with a question related to what Mike just said, guys? Yep. What does this mean for Connor Mackey and Yusuf Alamacki? (laughs) <laughs>
3: I, I personally think one of them is going to have to go. And it's probably Uso's my gone. personal opinion would be the one with the higher price tag that didn't get the call up to be on the bench in the playoffs, but that's just a personal. You
0: said was, you was three months away from being waived anyway. So I'm, I'm really, you know, I, I think Connor Mackey is the first call up obviously. And you know what? They've been the most, they've been the healthiest team in the league over the last two seasons. I'd be willing to bet a lot that won't happen
1: again this year. I I, um, could, I think bo- both of them need waivers. I think one of them and or Nick Malosh, I think those three guys are sort of contending for one spot on the blue line as a seven. Yeah, as a seven and, guy. He talks I mean, like set. Yeah. Is, is Connor Mackey at his age, is Nick Malosh at his age really going to be diminished too much by practicing with the NHL team and playing 20 games, 25 games? I think I think no. it's better than playing zero. I think it's better than playing the AHL. But also I, I think – I think that for the Flames, I think that there's no one rooting more for Yusuf Alamaki to have a good camp in the Flames because, no. you know, if Yusuf Alamaki no. has a good camp, no. it's a lot easier to find him a fresh start in a place where he can really excel.
3: Look at, look at the UEVI trade from Vancouver, to Florida last year as kind of an example of a top prospect that didn't, did, did, like, wasn't making the team anymore and they needed to do something. They, they instead of waving him a team, took them on in a trade. Valmaki would be the same exact thing. They might not get proper what you'd expect value that they would have out of the draft pick if they traded that draft pick, but you still get something from them. And then something's better than nothing. So,
0: I, yeah, I mean, Uho Lamico had a good season with Vancouver, even though they didn't keep him. But um, you know, I I, I think Uso, um, yeah, I, I think they move him. I, I can't see there's any. I don't think there's any way Uso is on the Flames roster on game but with the day one. No. The cap
3: savings. You it just—it just—it just, it just, it just doesn't make any sense.
0: Uso needs to go to a team that has two NHL-caliber left-handed defensemen and be that third team, or be that third LD, and have a team that maybe isn't contending that has an open spot. Be like, okay, you're our guy. You're our third guy. We're gonna gonna give you a run for forty games, and if you aren't cut out for it, you're on waivers again. And that's pretty much what it is. Honestly? That was the mistake, you know. I mean, not necessarily the mistake. Yeah.
1: I I was just going to say that was a mistake
0: with Yalevi, but
1: he feels like a guy who maybe he's not in the NHL right away, but he feels like someone he has a great camp. Someone says, you know, instead, you know, I I think I think he gets waived and then he gets traded Mm. so that after he's waived, he can go up and down. And I think he goes somewhere. And if I'm his acquiring GM, I say, OK, you got a great camp or NHL roster set. Go and kick some ass in the AHL. Be the man in the AHL, and we'll see you at Christmas.
0: Uh, yeah, it's sort of like Logan Brown, what we saw yeah. when he was waved and then he got okay. to St. Louis. I will say this, though. I suspect Yusa will be a better NHLer than AHLer. I don't think he liked being in the AHL. And to be quite frank, I don't think I would either. It's not necessarily the most fun place to be in if you're a recently highly touted prospect. And I think if you, you know what, team, I actually think it's funny, Arizona's only got two left handed, you know, they're, they're, Arizona's needs left-handed defense. Um, they have and, a lot uh, of
3: assets too.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, they just can just take on a guy like that. Actually, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about
1: it, Arizona actually has a lot of defense, <laughs> but never mind. <laughs> okay. You, you know, who has a lot of defensemen. So, uh, let's talk about, the, let's talk about the, uh, the not quite Wranglers. Uh, we suspect they'll yeah. be eventually named the Calgary Wranglers, uh, a nice nod to the original WHL Wranglers who, uh, you know Mike Vernon, uh, you know uh, ho- perennial hockey Hall of Fame candidate Mike Vernon, uh, one of the you know the, the retired number thirty Mike Vernon uh, came mm-hmm. from the Flames from the Calgary Wranglers. So uh, Mike's been all over the uh, the copyright saga of the Wranglers. I you know, I yeah. feel bad for for our friends at Calgary Sports and Entertainment because. The copyright office is nothing nothing to trifle with there if someone if someone's contesting your copyright they can be downright nasty so hopefully that gets resolved but the uh let's call them the calgary placeholders for now the calgary placeholders will have a really good defensive group or at least a defensive group is in promise if we assume sure. that the six nhl defensemen that we expect to be in the hl will be uh, Hannifin, anderson tanev zadorov Wegar and Shillington. Let's say uh, Connor Mackey is your seven and Yusof Alamaki is somewhere else. Don't know where, somewhere else, let's say. So your American hockey league team has a defense uh, of uh, Nick Malosh, Dennis Gilbert, Jan Kuznetsov, Ilya Salavyov, Jeremy Poirier, Nick DeSimone and Colton Pullman. Ilya Salavyov, as Mike will attest to for, you know, he was a, Decent, if unspectacular, depth AHL defenseman. So was Colton Pullman. They were, you know, Pullman played most of the season. Uh, uh, Solovyov was sort of a seven for most of the year, six, seven, depending on who was up and down from the NHL. Um, So let's be honest, no slight meant to Mr. Solovyov, but if you have to sit him or Colton Pullman to play some of your higher title prospects or play some of these tweener guys, like your Gilbert, your Malosh, or whoever, I don't think you really bat an eye at that too much. But I mean, that's like when when you know you're you're gonna have some veterans who can help uh, Kuznetsov and Poirier uh, transition in the NHL. I think Nick DeSimone will do some mentoring next year. Uh, Poolman, if he's in, will be probably a mentor for someone. Uh, Malosh, Gilbert, whoever. Like that's that's a that's gonna be a pretty interesting AHL blue line.
0: Well, I'm gonna tell you this. Brian, um, first of all, I, I think uh, you're being very uh, kind, giving all the listeners all the AHL defense content they want immediately after a blockbuster trade. Um, yeah, we haven't even talked the no-
1: about
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the number one topic conversation. But I will say this. Um, uh, Brandon Weiss, uh, my old friend down in Stockton, who just got hired by the San Jose Sharks, uh, which is just fantastic. Uh, it's a good for that. more deserving. Yeah. But um, when I was talking to Brandon last year about the heat, we would, you know, he watched every game. Um, he would say to me all the time, you know, I was asking him why Poolman was playing over Johannes Shinval. Uh, and he was saying, well, you know, Poolman's their best shutdown D right now. And I think there were a lot of people in that Stockton dressing room who really liked what Colton Pullman did on the back end as an AHL shutdown guy. So I, I don't think, I don't think he's going to be a guy on the bubble down there. I think he might be a guy who is sort of, there's a door off in a sense. Here's, here's uh, a thought.
1: Does, yeah. You know who who is very good at being a shutdown D in the NCAA and in the queue for decent chunks last year. He and Kuznetsov yeah. could yeah. be a pretty good pairing. I think that could be good. And then you have potentially, you know, Jeremy Poirier playing with Nick Simone, and then you know, I, I think they have a lot of like I I really I think I think they're given you know uh, Joe Sorelli and uh, and the Don Nochlar. Yeah, Don, Don Ackbauer. Yeah.
0: Uh, and Mitch Love.
1: And Mitch, yeah, they're, they're giving them, like, they're going to have, yeah. like, I, I think they're going to have the same kind of concerns on the AHL level as the NHL team does in terms of what about the goals. But the AHL team's going to have, you know, some bangers on the blue line, and they're going to have the, you know, the AHL's best goaltender returning for his sophomore year, along with Oscar Dansk by hacking him up. I I think they could be – equally as potent uh, potentially as they were this year, if they can find some goals.
0: Yeah. I'm going to let Shane jump in, in a sec, but what I'm going to say is that, and I feel like I've said what I'm going to say is like 12 times in this episode already, but um, I think uh, Simone and Poirier have very similar player profiles. Having them on the same pairing at five on five, you know, I think I, I would love to see them both anchoring a power play in it, but I think honestly, you know, you could, you could have Kuznetsov uh, and um, Poolman, uh, split up with one of those two other guys each. I think uh, I think a pairing with Poolman and Poirier could be really interesting. Jeremy Poirier, um, that is, you know, I, I think I've bemoaned a little bit, you know, the Flames' lack of defensive depth in the NHL and the AHL. Um, organizationally, I was going to write an article on it. I never got around to it, but it's in the queue still. Is there
1: a certain language there?
0: Yeah, but but Jeremy Poirier is sort of the exception. He is—he's uh, my favorite Flames defense prospect, and this is a guy, folks. You know, Oliver Shillington, you know the trajectory he took. This is something where Jeremy Poirier—if you're heading down to the Dome, uh, seeing any of those Calgary TBA AHL games this year—Jeremy yeah, Poirier is the guy who, if you're wanting goals from the D, that's—that's that's the name to circle on the score sheet because he's he going to be really active.
1: I think probably their goal is by the end of that season, maybe you reunite Poirier and Kuznetsov for the playoffs. But the idea is be you, crazy. you, you mm-hmm. want to get them to be a point where they're fully fledged AHL defensemen. And you feel comfortable putting them together. Shane, jump in, man.
3: I would not be surprised if Jeremy Poirier, even like two or three months into the season, was running their first power play unit. That That's what I'm Oh, listening. yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he started the season running their first power play unit. He is a gifted Offensive player, he's super offensive. Uh, needs to work on his defense, but um, that that's a good transition because like nobody has is really good defensive defense prospects like like Calgary does. They've got really good shutdown guys. They've got guys that can have have NHL experience is well, like and are fringe guys that can call up anytime. Malosh is no slouch in the AHL. Malosh is a top pair guy at the NHL level. He's a fill in guy. Uh, Mackey's ready to go. Doesn't we like Mackey requires waivers. I really see him on the team, but
0: no, these no, no, get, no chance. And, and the I other thing, zero chance.
3: And the other thing, the other thing is you need more than fourteen defensemen in a season, anyways, due to injuries. So I think every one of these guys gets fifty some games at least. And there's going to be all NBA? sorts of combinations. Uh, well, I, some of them will go up like Mac, or some of oh, them will yeah, in yeah, the, yeah, the NHL. Yeah. But but I think at least like they all get a significant amount of games in the AHL. Like the, yeah. it's a good decor, no matter what, if one guy's gone, there's they've got a perfect guy to fill in. Um, yeah. And their forward group is just as scary with the uh, like Ben Jones signing was sneaky. Great for the AHL as well. I love Ben Jones. Um, Schwint both of those guys had NHL experience last year, just cups of coffee, two games each. Um, they got deeper everywhere and you don't know what's going to happen at camp. You don't know what a guy like Pelche is going to do at camp. If the coach likes it, here's the thing. If the coach likes him, he'll stay. Like that's, yeah, that's yeah. how that'll work. If Daryl likes you and Daryl's got a role for you, you'll get to the play there. That's how that'll work. So God, by no means do we know if Calgary's even done. Uh, like we said, we've got to no. sign managing Shillington, but they still got cap space for the season. Even if we project Pike did some projections before he came on, if you want to
1: talk about him, Pike. Yeah, we, uh, we basically, if you look at the the guys who are locked in the, the 11 forwards, including Maggi and we project Maggi at around five mil, and the 60, including uh, Shillington, we project Shillington at about 2.75. So with all those guys, you have the Flames sitting pretty with about five million and change. I think five, six, five, seven, somewhere in that range, uh, depending on how those two contracts uh, come out. I think I got I have them five, five point seven two five mil. And you need to, you know, granted, you need to have, you need to use that money for your seventh defenseman. Your twelfth forward, your thirteenth forward, and your fourteenth forward, maybe if you want to have them. So, you know at league men, like you can spend, you know, you you still have the ability to throw some money, you know, add like a three million dollar forward, three million
3: dollar Paul or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I, and, and actually, I was gonna, I was gonna close out for, for, for you, gentlemen. So what comes next? Because you know the Flames have been. Well- it's been it's been an eventful offseason. We had the draft where we expected something to happen with someone, and then they just made three picks. Which good, they needed the picks. Wish they'd done more, but they the picks they had, they made them. Uh, and then oh wait, Johnny Gaudreau's not a flame anymore. And then we had the Kachuk saga, and now the Kachuk saga has turned into you know I, I can't really I, I'm fairly impressed admittedly with how well the Flames dealt with that, and so with the, the, the roster they have with the, the holes that we perceive them still to have, or maybe just some perceived weaknesses in terms of who's going to score goals with this team. What do you think is next? Because for me, I'm like, okay, maybe they, you know, take, you know, one of those defensemen they have, you know, when they're depth guys and maybe flip that for some AHL forward help, or maybe they just try to free up some cap space and upgrade a four position. There's still some, decently good to damn good uh forwards available in free agency if they want to go that way and so what do, what do, what do we think they do between and you know they still have three ARB cases to settle <laughs> so it's not oh, like they, have, they they have five uh what five UFAs left to settle uh you know two two guys with no ARB uh you know in, in Pospisil and Vasishka, three guys left with ARB and Phillips uh Shillington and Manjapani so what are the what, what's next and you know what, what are we expecting to see here
3: Mike, oh, I want to talk about Hubert a little bit Before before we just talk about the future Because like, we haven't like, It's hilarious, yeah, we no. literally skimped him right to Uyghur And then he's the hundred and fifty we, point fifty
1: we're not, coming we're, back We're going to talk about somebody that, that uh, A decent chunk of the PHWA had in their heart ballots yeah, we're, we're We just, don't just, need to talk about to Uyghur heart Uyghur contenders Uyghur here We're, we're talking first, about the Kansas
3: Uyghur only But uh, Mike, do you want to talk about Huberto For a bit first Just because we're yeah. 40 minutes in <laughs>
0: Yeah. I want to talk about Huberto. Oh, absolutely. First thing, first thing's first. I don't think Michael Backlund's given up his number to him. No. Um, so he's got to pick a new one. I would love to see him take number 13, to be That's honest. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Do you, do you um, think he'd take 10? He could
3: take uh, uh, He could
0: take anything with a one in the end either too, right? Give me 71. 71. How about 71? That'd be nice. Um, but here, here, here's what I'm going to say. Jonathan Huberto is one hell of a player. I mean, holy mackerel. I mean, we're talking about this guy as uh, as though you know he's maybe the second piece in this deal. Uh, you know, no way. This guy's an 115 point uh, left winger who is just. I mean, this guy made Sam Bennett into a 28 goal scorer, um, and we're he talking about him. Too. Yeah, where he's going to be playing with Elias Lindholm and Mangiapani. Maybe Maybe they put Blake Coleman on that line. That would be kind of cool put even more defensive responsibility on that line i'm really interested to see jonathan huberto under daryl sutter um but again it's all about the contract it's all about getting this guy locked up and i've said it on twitter already a couple times tonight you do it do it eight years i i, I want that contract i really do i think that is so important i would do it with johnny jonathan huberto is the same age and that's a player who is worth locking down
3: you, you, the, a lot of questions a lot of people have questions about his defensive game but if there's a team out there with more t- top end defensive forwards than the flames please please tell me by committee they've got Lindholm and Backland who have been Selkie candidates in their own right both multiple seasons uh, L- yeah. Lindholm is second in voting this year yeah and ba- yeah. Backland's been if you're if you if you're a big analytics guy you understand how important Backland is defensively as well um, Blake Coleman for the large chunk of the season was operating at a in terms of le- relative to the league, like a ninety-nine percent defensive impact, and Monjapani is uh, not a slouch. Him and Toffoli aren't a slouch in their own right. They have no. tons of guys that know how to play protective defensive hockey with a decor that also knows the job. Their job isn't to rush up the ice and get goals. Their job is to defend their own end, defend their own end, and transition the puck properly. So I think Huberto fits better. And they need a guy. They needed a guy that has that unrelenting all-out attack mentality and that's huberto and he can pass the puck as good as anybody in the history of the nhl
0: i <laughs> well okay yeah, well, can, no, can, can. no 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 he, <laughs> he's,
3: he's great he finds find scenes he's got speed which they don't they haven't had in a long time uh they, they lost that with johnny and they needed it back he's got more no, size absolutely than the passer and he's gonna change their hopefully change their power play by being able to find some find some different seams Team, teams have kind of got used to what the Johnny Gaudreau was doing in here. And now it's a different look with a different elite player. And, uh, it's, it's, it's unreal. And like Mike said, if you can get him signed for eight years, you do it, you do it. That's a player that's going to hold value for a long time. Even if he, even if he goes down to 85 points a year, people are still going to pay a premium dollar for him. If you're ever do decide to shift in another direction. So unreal. Uh, I think they have the pieces to counteract his defensive inefficiencies um, by committee. And I think that's what makes him an even better fit for Calgary than, than it seems outright. When you just look at his numbers isolated.
0: I want to, I just want to throw something totally crazy out here and maybe it wouldn't have been crazy three years ago. Sean Monaghan slot power play again, Jonathan Huberto setting him up. Is he healthy? Let's see it. I'm going to say it that with Sean Monaghan in the slot on the PP that connection really works. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it because you need you you just lost two forwards on your power play, in Gaudreau and Kachuk. Uh, you need a guy to play the front of the net. Kachuk's been doing that for years. Man can do. Um, Mangiapane can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Huberto, Huberdeau, Huberdeau Mangiapane, Lindholm. Who's your fourth guy? You said it. Just just <laughs> a question. You know, it's just a question. You can put Tyler to there. Uh, I'm I'm sure he'd be more than capable. You can have Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman on your second unit. Ube, um, you know, a couple K&A. of c- other a couple other options there, but I I, I really wonder, guys. Okay, I there. really wonder. Just yeah, one year, but yeah,
1: I'll, I'll play Debbie Downer here because if we don't want to get too happy here on the podcast, okay. Um, does your opinion of this if, you get crystal ball time? If we're sitting here on June twentieth, twenty, if if we're at the draft next year, Nashville and the Flames are talking about not having Wegar or not having uber to contract one or both, does that change your opinion of this trade that much? Yep. A little bit. Probably. Yep. Yeah. Enough, I mean, is... enough
3: that it registers as significant, but even the yeah. first and Schwint is okay. Like yeah, they were, but they were in
0: a, they were in a very, very tight position with what Kachuk did. To them. So like, but he, it's, it's not, it's not the sort of thing that you can say was unforeseen. Like when they pulled yeah. off this yeah. trade, it was the thing where everybody knew both these yeah. players are UFAs, and you got to get talking right away. So if they can't get that done, I mean, that's just an indictment. That's just another couple yeah. players I'll, that I'll, they haven't I'll been able say,
1: to sign. I'll say this: greater, the situation was different because Jerome McGinley was in his 30s and he had a full no move. But all I'm saying this, and all due respect to the players they got from the Pittsburgh Penguins, but at least we had friggin' heard of the players that the flames got in this trade. Uh, Ken but Agostino yeah. has had a very good career as an AHL or he's currently playing. And I believe he's with uh, Novgorod in, uh, in the KHL right now. Uh, ben Hanowski is no longer playing professional hockey. He hasn't played professional hockey in a while. He spent, he spent most of his pro career in Germany. Uh, first round pick the flames got was a late first and it turned into Morgan Klimchuk. And then it turned into Andrew Nielsen. And that turned yeah, into Andrew Nielsen, no, Andrew Nielsen let walk as UFA. So yeah. uh, effectively, like you know, the, I understand if if you're if you're a Flames fan, you're going, didn't they just basically punt the risk from Kachuk a year? And kind of, Oh yeah, I'll say yeah, they've basically they've gotten some opportunities to keep some good players past one year, and then they've gotten Cole Schwind, who they have control under control for a while, at a twenty twenty five draft pick. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, I, the worst case scenario is the Flames have basically just shifted their headaches from right now to next summer, which, I mean, they have if more those... cap
3: space next summer. It makes sense. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, like, I mean, first, two big deals come off
3: the books. So, the one guy playing on your fourth line making five million is not going to be making five million on the fourth line. Like, that, that alone is a massive hold for
0: the yeah. first and the, and Schwint are the nice to haves. you need to have one of those two players at the very least here long term, um, yeah. to make this a viable trade. Yeah. I would prefer to have both.
1: I'll, uh, Brian Burke, always said to, um, to judge? And I, well, I will say
0: going back to what Pike was saying right. earlier about wh- what's next. Oh,
1: well, yeah.
0: Yeah. Got... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Pike. Go ahead. Go well, ahead. like
1: Brian, Brian Burke, uh, current Pittsburgh POHO, former Calgary POHO, uh, he always said you, you judge trades with calendars, not with stopwatches. Uh, and so, I mean, you know, we will judge this basically based on where we're, you know, how things look in 11 months from now. Uh, but I mean, I think right now, calc- is, as a calculated gamble, I think you give it a I I, if we're throwing out letter grades, I think this is all a solid B, B minus. Um, I think they made the team better in ways that they needed to. They're worse because they lose. The Kachuk of it all. And I still think, you know, they're obviously, you know, a markedly worse offensive team than they were to begin the summer. But I think, I mean, in terms of plugging holes, if the idea is you're, you're saying damn the torpedo is full speed ahead and you're, you're trying to plug holes in the boat and you're trying to go full speed ahead. This is a, a reasonably good way of plugging holes. So we'll, we'll see how it turns out. And now, okay. now what's next? Well, they got,
3: they, they could fill a three C hole. They, they could do that and they have the money to do it on a one-year deal for someone. That, that's what I would do. Yeah. I would, I would go out and get center depth. You've got the D depth. Now you've got the winger depth. You've got a bunch of rookies that could are, are ready to be call ups at times. Um, so, so go get the veteran center, go a one, get a good solid one, two, three punch, leave yourself about one or 2 million in cap space. If you can, if you can, and, uh, and let that accrue as the season goes on. I'll say this.
1: How much, how much would Evan Rodriguez cost?
0: Yeah, I like that. that just would be just throwing a
1: name out there because he's good. Be, he's fantastic. he's one of those guys you could throw him around second unit power play, third line, second leader, unit, though. second unit PK, first unit PK. He could do whatever. But I mean, he'll have options too. But I I don't know if if the Flames haven't suddenly become uh, an option for him. <laughs>
0: yeah, or a Paul, or a Paul Stastny type. Um, yeah. But uh, what 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 I'll say? Uh, God, I keep saying that. I gotta stop saying that. Um, uh, God, they're never gonna sign. They're never gonna go get Phil Castle, are they? No, just be buddy, so, they're not
3: gonna go get Phil Castle. He'd
0: be so perfect as
3: the I first guy. I know that you love him, but I, that's
2: not good.
0: God, he's just so good. <laughs> he's gonna still want yeah. some cash, I presume. Well, yeah. I mean, you'd be maybe like two, two, three million. I mean, he's he's held out this long. He's. I mean, we're ten days into free agency now. You know, I don't know how much the guy's going to get. I mean, you look, at, you look at what a guy like Thomas Vanek got. He was sort of similar. Uh, when he waited, had to wait for the Canucks, he got one year, $2 million. Yeah. I'm interested. Brad always does I, something that we don't give. Get, get me Phil Kessel. Just, just get me Phil Kessel. <laughs> they you they, know need, they Brad, need some right shots. Brad is a Brian Burke disciple. And Brian Burke's one of his biggest trades with the Toronto Maple Leafs is a trade for Phil Kessel
3: oh don't yeah that's gonna rub that in the Leafs fans they're saying in Hamilton and uh they need their second round pick you
0: know what you know what they traded for Phil Kessel and Phil Kessel is a borderline hockey hall of fame player a two-time Stanley Cup champion Phil the
3: thrill Kessel that's how I refer to him yeah. with respect on the respect on the guy's name he's, he's not many guys have a name on that thing twice
0: I wear I wear number 81 in beer league for Phil Kessel <laughs> good for I you I picked that number good for you yeah anyway
1: but yeah, so I, I, think, he, I think I think I uh, think I think Gear League Shine might be a good way to, to close this sucker off. <laughs> Unless you have <laughs> a, one last thing to chime in with Shane. I was just gonna
3: say they got a the, the uh free agent destination got significantly more appealing today with how their roster outlook now looks. Oh, way
0: so more. You so now me? if
3: anyone is truly, especially a veteran, truly looking for a real good shot to try and get their name on the Stanley Cup, Calgary as a place that has a hole and you might take a discount sign there as well so look out for something like that that is that could be possible um but something something's gonna happen still and I still expect at least one or two more trades from Calgary this offseason I, I feel like Brad's not done and he's just starting he got he got the big business out of the way
1: and now it's time to play he's uh he's a tinkerer he will be tinkering until uh, you need, to use, till a, the very you need end. to use a
3: grocery store analogy here. I don't know what to do right in the moment, though.
1: Well, well, it's late. We'll come up with one better. Uh, what,
0: what was? I think so didn't I think Brad's.
1: Didn't I think Brad we'll cap it off be, there, Channelman. Yeah. It's late. Our East Coast. <laughs> yeah, gonna are going to talk tomorrow. Team Deep press in your bed, and we'll we'll have more updates on the site uh, on Saturday as uh, we hear from the new members of the Calgary Flames. In from Bradshaw living at various points. We haven't had this. We don't have a schedule yet for that. Uh, so. Thanks for joining us for this emergency edition of the podcast with, uh, with Mike, our special guest, uh, for DoorDash, for Eau Claire Distillery, for Shane, for Mike, for Ryan. I'm Ryan. Thanks for joining us. And uh, hopefully there will be new- enough newsworthy things to happen that we might do more of these during the offseason. But otherwise, Shane and I will see you at the same bat time as usual on Thursday with a regular edition. For now, we bid you adieu.